0: Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Hi everybody. Sorry, that took a while. How are we? Good. I have sinned. Forgive me, I have sinned. I don't have a PowerPoint presentation. Um, cardinal sin of all. Um, so you guys are just going to have to listen. Uh, I don't even have any visual aids. It's literally, it's just it's just you guys and me. Okay. I'm very, very grateful to be able to speak. Like um, right, Really, really grateful. So thanks to everybody that said, hey, let's give that renegade a mic for a bit. Cool. So let's get, let's get into it. Okay, so there's this guy in the Bible um, right at the beginning of the Bible. See, I'm not even starting with a story about myself to open you up. Do you know what I mean? We're just, we're just jumping right in. So there's this guy in the Bible, his name's Joseph, and now anybody that's been around church for a while is thinking, oh God, Joseph, I know, Joseph, okay, cool. But for those that don't, we are going to zip through the whole story. We're going to go through the whole thing from start to finish, it's going to be amazing. So Joseph is the favorite son uh, of his father, his father's name is Joseph. Jacob, thank you, otherwise known as Israel, is a name that God gave him. Anyway, so his name is Jacob. So he's his favorite son, and he had 12 brothers, okay? And at this point that we take up the story, right, um, right at the start of this uh, chapter, Joseph um, is evidently his father's favorite, okay? So his father, has made him a special coat, right? Like if you ever wanted to say, you know, you're my favorite child, make him a special coat that none of the rest of them get because um, that's how it works so he makes him this fancy coat uh, Joseph goes out farming with his brothers and then he comes back to his dad and says, it says that he gave a bad report of his brothers so not only is he the favourite but now he comes back and basically goes oh Judah did that and uh, he, was, he poked me um, so he's now complaining about his brothers and then on top of all this stuff that's going on Joseph, at age 17, has a couple of dreams, okay? So he has a couple of dreams that he wants to now share with his brothers who, I mean, up to this point, you would imagine that his brothers aren't best keen on Joseph. I mean, they all had to go out farming for days and days, and at one point, you know, his dad says, why don't you go check on them? Which means that he's not been farming. He just got to stay at home with his dad hanging out, okay? So, he's the favorite son, and now he comes to his brothers, right? This is where we're going to pick up the start of it. Comes over to his brothers now, and he says, Hey guys, I had a dream. Do you guys want to hear my dream? Let me tell you my dream. Go on then, Joe. Okay. Here's, we're in, we're in Genesis 37, 3 to 11. You can look for it if you want, but you don't need to. We'll jump him on from here shortly. Now Joseph, now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Okay, so like sheaves of, of wheat. Um, so there they are in the field, and they're all farming and doing their thing with these sheaves. Um, Then, behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright, and indeed your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. (laughs) Okay, it's a bit weird, I'm saying, I never usually say sheaf this much. (laughs) Most I've ever said sheaf, and there will be more. So in the dream, his sheaf has arose in the center and his brother's sheaves have all bowed. So essentially he's saying, here's me and all of you bow down around me, right? And then it says, and his brothers said to him, shall you indeed reign over us? Shall you indeed reign over us or shall you indeed have dominion? Over us, So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream, and he told it to his brothers. And he said, look, I've dreamed another dream. And this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and to his brothers. And his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? and his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in hand. Okay, interesting story. This thing is so shaky. So, so we're gonna start at this point. I'm gonna quickly look at this little area of the story. Then i want gonna zip us through the whole of Joseph at lightning speed, and then we're gonna to come to the end of the story where we see his brothers again. Cool? So the important thing you have to look at is the words that people use. Yeah? So in the Bible, they're not just choice. They're not just random. Yeah? They're, they're, they're all important. So when we think about what Joseph's brothers said to him, when he turned around and said, here's me, I have arose, and you bow down around me. Their choice of words is really important. So they said to him, so what? I, will you reign over us? Will you indeed have dominion over us? Now, it's not the same word in the original, in the, in the first chapter of Genesis, but in the first chapter of Genesis, when God created everything, he gave dominion to mankind over the earth, right? So he, he created mankind to, to Adam and Eve to, to rule and to reign over God's created earth. Okay? So, I mean, heck, if I quickly look at what it says here in Genesis 1, you'll see... God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply multiply, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Interestingly, he didn't say to have dominion over people, he said have uh, over the fish of the sea. But he said over the birds of the air, over everything that crawls on, on the ground, essentially have dominion over all of the resource right, over the resources. But people are not a resource in that sense that are to be. Um, so when they said to him, will you rule over us? Will you reign over us? Will you have dominion over us? They're basically saying, are, are you so elevated that you're just going to come in now and tell us and be over us? And Joseph at the age of 17 might have thought, well, yeah, if that's my dream, then maybe, yeah, I will. But what we're going to get to see Is is what the actual picture of dominion really is, of what of what the actual thing of because God's original intent is for, for us to rule and us to reign over the resource that is in God's earth that He's created. Okay. So their issue with Joseph was they saw him and they they saw somebody that would negatively exert power and influence over them. And that brought pain, that brought anger at the prospect that maybe their lives didn't look like much, and their lives maybe didn't look like they wanted, and that Joseph had a dream that he would be greater and better than them. And that caused them great pain. And they already saw that with with his father, who was showing him favor over them, and it was causing them great, great pain. So they hated him for that. So essentially, the point that that we're going to look at is, in the whole of this talk, is what is alienation from people? And how do we overcome alienation? And how do we get close to people, really authentically close to people? How do we have that restored? And how do we have that restored with God? Because so oftentimes we find ourselves alienated from people, alienated from the people that matter most, and also alienated from God. Right? And they see see Joseph as this boy that is with his family, with his father, with his mother, that is what, maybe what C.S. Lewis would, would call the inner ring. Anybody aware of the inner ring? Really amazing essay by C.S. Lewis. This is, what, this is what he says. I don't believe the economic motive and the erotic motive for everything that goes on in the world. It's a lust, a longing to be on the inside, which takes many forms. You want the delicious knowledge that just we, four or five, we are the people who really know. As long as you are governed by that desire, you will never be satisfied until you conquer the feeling and the fear of being an outsider. An outsider, you will remain. Until you conquer the feeling of being an outsider, the feeling and fear of being an outsider, an outsider, you will remain. Joseph's brothers felt like outsiders in their own family. Whenever they looked at Joseph, they felt like outsiders. Whenever they went out to the field to farm and Joseph got to stay at home, Joseph was a representation to them of the inner ring of the the three or four that really know. And they were on the outside and they were alienated from him. Ever felt like that? yeah yeah I ever had somebody just rock up in at work and three months later one of my colleagues here you know they're cousins with somebody <laughs> and bam there you go they're on the inner, they're in the inner ring and it hurts so what does Joseph's brothers do they hated him I'll tell you what they did Joseph eventually goes out to, to meet them in the field and they see him coming and they say, oh, here comes this dreamer. See, at this point, they've, they've taken him from being their brother to this dreamer. They've, they've disassociated him from their own family. They've separated themselves to the point that he's not family. He's not a brother. He's this dreamer. Yeah? So here comes this dreamer and they decide to kill him. So they're going to drop him in a well, in a pit, and they're going to leave him there to die. So Joseph arrives. Hey, guys. In he goes, in the pit. One of of the the brothers says, let's not kill him. Let's not kill him. Killing is not good. We don't agree with killing. And then eventually the rest of the guys went, oh yeah, killing, bad, okay. No killing. Let's not do killing. Let's sell him into slavery, because that's a lot better. Yeah? Let's do that instead, because killing is really bad. But we'll just sell him into slavery to these traders that come along, right? So that's what they do. And now what we want to think about is, I want to look, we don't often look at Joseph's brothers, yeah? We, always, we really like the story of Joseph, because Joseph has this incredible story, right? He's taken to Egypt, and we see him put in terrible, terrible situations in which somehow he manages to flourish every time. And then even when he does flourish, then something else happens, and he gets, goes from bad to worse to worse. And we love looking at Joseph. Joseph. Yeah, because Joseph is this picture that says to us, you can make it if you have a dream. God's gonna bring it if you have a dream. You can make it and you see it, and you're gonna see that dream fulfilled, and you can do it. But what about these other guys, these other characters in the story? You know, what about if you feel like I don't have the big dream? I'm not that guy. First of all, that, that that's probably not true, and God does want to do something mighty in your life. Yeah. But I want to look at his brothers. So a quick overview. Joseph goes to Egypt, arrives in Egypt as a slave. He's, he becomes a slave in the house of, uh, of one of the top guys in Egypt, like a general in the army. His name's Potiphar, and he does great. He's an amazing servant. He's servant-hearted. He's leading. He's one of those guys that you put him in any situation, and he's flourishing. And Potiphar, this dude, his wife takes a fancy into Joseph, and she says, uh, Oh, come on, Joseph. Come with me. Gives, gives him the eye. And he says, no, sorry, you're Potiphar's bird. I can't. And, uh, and he says, um, and, and it goes on and it goes on. And then she basically grabs him, accuses him of, of essentially accuses him of sexual assault. Um, and says, Potiphar, he attacked me. He did this. And then from there, immediately he gets thrown into prison. And now Joseph's in prison. So he's gone... Brothers tried to kill him, sold into slavery, out of slavery, into prison. Now he's in prison, and he does amazingly. He gets, he gets given charge and control of so much stuff of, of the going on in the prison. And he's just showing time and time again that he's a leader, that he's a servant, that, and he's just, he relates well with people, right? And that's just what he does time and time again. And then there's a couple of guys who were working for Pharaoh. So Pharaoh, essentially the king, the top dog in Egypt, it was his butler and his baker, right? And the butler and the baker, I know it sounds funny, the butler and the baker both have dreams and they say to Joseph, we've had these dreams, we've heard that you can interpret dreams. And one of them tells him his dream and he says, okay, the meaning of that dream is in three days time you get, pharaoh's going to have you killed and then the other guy the butler he's, he tells him in his dream and he says all right in three days time pharaoh's going to restore you back to your position as butler in the house of pharaoh and when you do tell him about me and get me out of this prison will you tell him that i that i favored you and that i told you what this dream meant three days later baker's dead butler's back in pharaoh's house and he forgets all about Joseph, and Joseph remains in prison until Pharaoh has a dream. Pharaoh has two dreams. I'm skipping through this as quickly as I can. Pharaoh has two dreams. Joseph is able to interpret both of them. The butler says, get this guy Joseph in. He's great with dreams. He brings him in. He interprets both of the dreams. The Dreams essentially mean we're going to have seven years in Egypt of great um, Uh, Farming and harvest and we have to keep everything that we farm in those seven years because after that we're going to have seven years of famine Okay, so that's what he tells him He says we need to store everything up because it's going to be seven years where nothing is going to grow And if we if we just eat everything for this seven years everybody's going to die basically So Pharaoh says thanks Joseph. Thanks for interpreting it because you've been so great at that I'm going to put you in charge of making sure That we look after everything we farm in this next seven years there's going to be nobody who is in a better position than you in egypt than me so he's second now in egypt to pharaoh he's now gone from hated favored brother hated brother left for dead brother slave brother um, prisoner brother to second in command in the whole of egypt second only to pharaoh the second most powerful person in the whole of egypt yeah Great story, whole sermon in itself. So, did that all? I know, I know that we zipped through, but was it okay? Are we kind of up to speed? Yeah, yeah. great. So that was the 13-year journey in five minutes. And this is the, this is the scripture that I really want us to look at: Genesis 45: 1 to 15. At this point. It's been two years into the famine, and Joseph's brothers come to Egypt because they need food, because they're starving. Okay, remember the original story, the original dream, with the sheaves, yeah, the sheaves of wheat? They're all out. There's no sheaves. Okay. So they come to Joseph, and Joseph sees them. He has a bit of a, a, bit of a situation with them. And then at this point, he's decided now that he wants his brothers to know who he is. So he's second in command in all of Egypt. And at this point, we're we're picking up the story. He's hit that point now where he wants his brothers who had alienated him, who had left him for dead, who had sold him into slavery, who had done all of this stuff to him. He wants them to know, I'm Joseph, I'm your brother. Genesis 45, 1 to 15. Then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood before him. And he cried out, make everyone go out from me. So that's everybody in in the court, in in the chamber, wherever they were. Everyone that was not his brothers in front of him. He says, make everyone go out from me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud. And the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him for they were dismayed in his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near to me. I had to say that like that because I have it in bold. Please come near to me. Please come near to me. So they came near. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me here before you to preserve life. For these two years the famine has been in the land, and there are still five years in which there will be no plotting nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great Deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God, and he has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go to my father, say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me lord of all Egypt, so come to me. You will dwell in the land of Goshen, you will be near me, you, your children, your children's children, your flocks, your herds, and all that you have. There I will provide for you, lest you and your household and all that you have come to poverty, for there are still five years of famine. And behold, your eyes and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is me, my mouth, that speaks to you. So shall you tell my father of all my glory in Egypt and of all that you have seen, And you shall hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell on his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin on his neck. Moreover, he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. And after that, he and his brothers talked with one another. So, we've gone through a lot. But now we're going to actually get to the talk. Okay? Yeah? Sound good? Everybody's still with me? Amazing. Great. So firstly, their fear of, to begin with was, what will you what? Are you will you rule over us? Will you reign over us? Are you gonna have dominion over us, huh? You 17-year-old little snot-nosed punk? Yeah? That's their issue with him. So so does that happen in the story? Did that did that come to pass? Yep. Yeah, it did. He got the promotion. 13 years later, there's them. At least in the dream, they had sheaves. <laughs> Where's your sheaves now, boys? So they had Dom- dominion. Is this amazing biblical concept, guys? Dominion is an amazing thing. Dom- I can't even get into it, but I will. Because it is amazing. So, so do, dominion is is interesting because when God created the earth, He created us to to not. When you see, I was talking to somebody the other day, um, and I read about this. It was amazing. After dictators are deposed, you know, if you look at, I don't know about uh, all the politics and everything behind it, but after everything had happened with Saddam Hussein, the people went through the streets and they cheered and they danced and they enjoyed freedoms that they couldn't enjoy for years right? and, and, the, and we humans, we, we naturally push against oppression in any, in any area, we always push against oppression we always push against oppression it's because there's a, there's a, a dominion spirit inside each and every one of us that is, that is, that is crying out and we can't so, so when, when they talk about dominion, they, they thought that it was Joseph going to come in and say, this is what you're going to do, and I want to, you know. But dominion has less to do with control but stewardship. Dominion is about stewardship. It's about looking after what God has put in you and what God has given to you. That's what dominion is about, not about control over people. Rulership has less to do with hierarchy but more to do with provision. Yeah? If you're in a position of influencing your work, it's not about the hierarchy that you're climbing. It's about the provision for your teams. Yeah? Does that make sense? It was never the intention that man would have dominion over one another. We, we need to have the perspective to see that from the beginning, the intention was not that Joseph would reign over people, but that Joseph would reign for people. Yeah, it's never reigning over people, it's reigning for people. The Bible says in the New Testament that we are created to reign in life. That doesn't mean that, that that means that it's for people. Your life is for people. Your life is about people all the time. Have you you ever thought, "Is is this all there is to me? Is this all there is to my life? Is this it? That's a cry of the king of the dominion spirit that God has placed in you to say, Yes! there is more, there is more, there is, there is, it's not enough, and, and that doesn't mean that, that your life is miserable, or your life is bad, or anything like that, it just means there is more, there is more, I thought it just the other week, I thought no, if I died today, I would not be satisfied, I wouldn't be satisfied, and that's, and that's not a bad thing, and I'm satisfied because I've got an amazing wife who, who I love. I'm satisfied because, you know, I, lo- I love my job. It's a weird job. But I love it. And I love the people that I do it with. But I know that God has put something in me. I know there's something in me. So when I talk to somebody, I, I, I know, what is it? What is, the, what is the kingdom seed that God has put in you that he's wanting to bring forth, that he's wanting to bring out of you? What is it? And when you sit there and you go, ah, is this it? It's because God is saying, no, this isn't it. There's more. There's more for you. There's more that I've ordained for you to do. Ah. Audible sucks because you forget what, what, where you heard really good stuff in books. So this might be a terrible misreference, but I think it's by Robert Greene, right, in, in Mastery. It might be somewhere totally different. Forgive me. Um, but he talks about Malcolm X. Now, Malcolm X, when the human rights activist, whatever, when he was in, not whatever, but when he was in prison, he fell voraciously in love with books. He loved books. He, read, he rewrote a whole dictionary to learn words. I don't know if that's the best way to learn words, but maybe, right? So he loved books. And, and he said this of this time. He said, months passed without my even thinking about being imprisoned. In fact, up till then, I had never been so truly free in all my life. That sounds like Joseph to me. Robert Greene puts it in two, maybe Robert Greene, maybe somebody else smart, puts it in two different categories. He says your life is either gonna be full of dead time or alive time. You You could be in prison for 10 years, but he ensured that those 10 years were full of alive time. Tomorrow, I'm going in for bum crack surgery surgery on my bum crack. I am. It's going to be really bad. It's pretty horrifying. And I'm going to be off work for about two months at least, two, three months, and I will be lay on my front for the whole time, pretty much. But it's a lifetime. It's freaking a (laughs) lifetime. Hey, bro, you've been there. Make sure it's alive. I had the same surgery a few months back, three months back, and it was dead time. I did nothing with it, wasted it, watched series. This time, I'm gonna make it a live time. I'm gonna make sure it's a live time. You, whatever you do for work, whatever you do in your study, is it dead or is it alive? You're going, to have, you're going to fill your life with a lifetime. Morale, as you go to work for Fusion, make it a lifetime. Make it a lifetime. Ay, 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 ay. You see, when there's a kingdom mandate on your life, you're designed with a plan and a purpose that's already inside you. God already made you with a plan and a purpose, with a plan and a purpose for your life. To use your gifts. To use what he's given you. All of it. All of it. And that's okay for people like me. Because I'm good at a couple things. People like Pete. Pete can do everything. So that's worse for Pete. Because he's one of those guys that can do all the stuff. But he wants to use all of it. He wants to use all of it. You've got to choose to fill your life with a lifetime. Joseph's brothers thought that his slavery would end him they thought that his slavery would just be the end that it would be equivalent to just killing him but it wasn't because joseph determined to fill his life with a lifetime whether he was a slave whether he was in prison wherever he was his life was alive his life was full of a lifetime God wants, God wants you to live a life that has dominion, that, has, that serves people. That's what he wants. The last thing that I want to say. So that's the first thing. Fill your life. Fill your life with a lifetime. Grab it by the... I'll let you add whatever you want. The last thing that I want to say then is this. G- Joseph, and I say the last thing, but it's still going to be a bit... The, the the thing that, that Joseph said to his brothers when they when they were there is really significant and it hit me like a ton of bricks when I read it and I was like <gasps> He looks at them and he says Please come close to me Please come close to me These guys that he'd not seen for thirteen years that he'd been treated terribly by and to beginning with that he'd kind of been a bit of a bit of a bum towards as well telling them "Eh." but it's these guys he's seen he said to them please come close to me please come close to me i don't want to be feel alienated from you anymore i don't want to feel distant from you anymore I want to be close to you. Please come close to me. And as I read that, I thought, isn't that significant? Because because that's what the whole Bible is about. That's literally the story of redemption from this point at the beginning of the Bible. Right here, right to the end. It's the story that God is weaving through all of time. Through all of mankind. It's God reaching out to us. It's Jesus stepping into the earth, stepping out from heaven, stepping into our lives, coming in and saying, "I want to come close to you. I want to be close to you. I want to be in your life. I want to be in your life. Please come close to me. Please come close to me." Ah, Jeepers Creepers. So what? So what does he say? Let's break it down first thing he says make everyone go out from me get rid of the superficial stuff get rid of the instagram closeness get rid of the you know get rid of the the picture of yourself that you put up for everybody to see to say you know please get close to this guy yeah please get close to me everyone please get close to me So in the New Testament we see this amazing thing, Jesus, the Son of God, the perfect representation of the Father, the perfect representation for them. There's no other way to God except through Jesus. That's what the, that's what the Bible says. No one will get to the Father except through, through Jesus, what he says. The most famous Bible verse, God so, John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son so that whoever believes in me shall not perish but have eternal life. He, he made the move to us. The cosmic catwalk from heaven down to earth to come because he wanted to say to you, please come close to me. The Father sent Jesus to say, please come close. In John 17, Jesus prays a prayer and it says it's a prayer for all believers. It's not just for the people back then when when this was written. It's for all believers. It's for all people. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for all who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, that they may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Basically, let them be as close to you and I, as Jesus is to the Father, let us be as close to them. It's the cry to say, please, Please come close to us. Because it's ne- we can't, we're not striving. Like, like Andy said before, it's not getting on the top level of the stepladder to try and heave yourself up into the, lo- into the loft space. It's a ladder. It's not even a ladder. It's here. Yeah? It's not even a ladder. It's here. It's right here. It's, it's that close. It's as close as your breath. He says, let them be in us how close he wants to be. Then the world will know that you sent me and I've loved them. I skipped ahead. May they also be in us so that the world may believe you have sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. So they may be brought to complete unity. No alienation. No outcasts no rejects yeah when i talk to to people sometimes and they ask about christianity they think the christianity is all, christians are all think they're all so great all the christians i know are totally aware of how crappy they are the bible's full of misfits and renegades and idiots, doing stupid things, but the God grips their heart. He grips their heart and he tells them and he shows them how much he loves them and he transforms their life. He turns them around. People in the Bible and people all throughout history. Before he says that in chapter 17, he says, this is eternal life. This is eternal life that we know God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent eternal life is not, you know white PJs in the clouds it's to know God it's to know what Jesus Christ did on the cross it's to know how close he came to you how close he came to reach out and say to you I want to be that close to you please come close to me that's the one thing that Jesus wants to say if he was as no, that's the one thing Jesus wants to say, full stop right now, please come close to me please come close to me because I'm right here, I'm right here You know, God is in the business of restoring and redeeming everything. God has ordained for you to reign in life. Not to be a victim, not to be a supporting role in the, in the story of your life. God has ordained for you to reign in life. Yeah? He's come and he said, please come close to me. No alienation, as Joseph had with his brothers. The thing that Joseph wanted wasn't... He could have had them executed. He could have given them, he could have let them starve. He could have done whatever the hell he wanted with them. You know what I mean? He, ha- he had all the sheaves. He could have done anything at all. But what did he choose to do? To forgive them, to ask them to come close to him, to draw them back into a relationship with them. And then from there he went on and he said, I want to, I'll provide for you. I'll provide for you. I want to provide for you and for your families. And that's just the same. That's just the same as what Jesus has done with us. So, So as I was thinking about the talk this week, I thought, well, what, what should we do to end? And then I thought, well, first of all, we can, for anybody at all that feels like they may be alienated from God, like they may be far from God, we can pray for you if you want. Or for people that feel like they're alienated from people or like there's some disconnects from them with people that they want to be close to. Because that's what people need. You see that's that, the cry in Joseph's heart is not, for anything else other than from intimacy with his brothers you know and there's so much stuff that will try and masquerade as intimacy for people but you're both in relationships with one another and in relationship with 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 god you can you can do the same thing i mean if you want to fake intimacy with people you can jump on tinder and find yourself a date and that might be a bit, i got some, anyway, I don't even know how that whole thing works. Or, and you can do the same thing in church, you can do all the different stuff to try and look good and look like you got it all together and say, hey, listen, I'm on the top step of the step ladder, let me in. But both of those things are fake, both of those things are false, both of those things are empty and, ultimate, and ultimately unsatisfying. And the last thing I want to say, and then I'm to, I gonna—I swear I'll stop, is I have to tell you, I have to tell you, that God has got a mighty plan for your life. That God has got a mighty, mighty, magnificent plan for your life. Whether you're 10 or 110. I don't think we have any 10-year-olds or 110. Year olds. But whatever, wherever you're at, there's dominion. Whether it's in education, whether it's in politics, whether it's in facilities management, whether it's in flipping retirement, I don't care. God's got a magnificent and a mighty plan for your life. Why does no one care? Come on! God's got a mighty plan for your life. God wants to do something with your life. All he's asking you is to come close to him. That's all. So like I said before, I want to ask Andy if he'll come and lead us in a song. Um, But if there's anybody here that is feeling like they're far from God and like they just want to know anything about it or want to come close to him, it's literally, there's no stepladder. It's just there. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.